Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, depending on what part of this beautiful globe you are watching or listening to this from. Welcome to the Dissect Podcast. I am your host presenter, Newton Donkola. I am excited you could join us on this episode. So today is another amazing episode. We're going to be talking about addictions. We're going to start talking about addictions generally and then on later episodes we're going to talk about specific types of addictions and to handle this very important very relevant and necessary topic is none other than mr roosevelt is an addiction therapist and is currently practicing at Great North Road Rehabilitation Center here in the capital city of Zambia, Lusaka. Mr. Roosevelt, welcome to the program. Uh, thank you, sir. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. I am glad and excited to be having this very, very important topic um, with you, and I'm excited for the information that we are about to put on this platform for whomsoever is um, in need and I believe it's a whole lot of people out there that need to learn this very um, important um, topic so before we get into it maybe perhaps in your own words just introduce yourself to the listeners so they can get a better picture of who you are what you do and what your job comprises of. Okay, so my name is uh, Roosevelt Waliaka Sonso. Um, as Elia said, I'm, addiction, I'm an addiction um, counselor working under the Great North Road Rehab uh, Academy. And um, I struggled with uh, addiction for a period of time for about 20 years. And um, after undergoing through recovery, then I went on to pursue um, psychosocial counseling um, at the University of Zambia under the Student Empowerment Program, um, where that's where I did my addiction counseling from. Yes. Awesome. I am a strong believer in speaking from experience. I think we can learn certain things or learn of certain things in schools and whatever environment but there's also so much power and meaning that comes when we speak from personal experience and that's why i'm so i'm even more excited to be having this conversation with you because you not only speak from understanding but you also speak from experience so getting right into the topic today which is addictions um mr roosevelt how do you define an addiction what is an addiction in layman's language something that we can understand how would you define an addiction okay so um for many people when they hear the word addiction they will feel it's something to do with the willpower or poor choices or character flaws but um addiction is quite complex because um, addiction is a chronic progressive uh, illness and um, you find that addiction has its characteristics you find the reason why someone starts using any substance or engaging in any addictive behavior will differ to what to keep them in that uh, behavior or using that substance so um, I'm sure Whenever people hear the word addiction, what comes to their mind is uh, substances like alcohol or drugs um, or marijuana, heroin, and these common drugs. But um, addiction can also be classified into behavioral as well as chemical addictions. So um, addiction is progressive in the sense that, um, again, it's not easy to notice when one is going into addiction um, because it has its characteristics. One of them is uh, self-denial. So you find most people would be in denial and they won't be able to see the impact of the addiction unless other people maybe who around them. That's when they will see that uh, I think this person has been affected in a negative way and they'll come around for them. 
So mostly, um, people go into addictions um, for different reasons. But um, you find teenagers who first go into addictions as a matter of, um, would say, trying to experiment um, with different substances, or maybe out of curiosity, because their friends are doing it. Um, I'll give you an example of I struggled with drugs at some point and alcohol. Uh, when I was 16, I think I started using drugs because my friends were using drugs. And I also jumped into alcohol because it was a habit that I saw my friends were doing and I wanted to fit in out of curiosity. But over the years, the reasons for staying that addiction changed. You'd find that it became a way of coping with different things like stress. Um, you start coping with uh, different um, emotions like um, when you feel disappointed, when you're angered. You always resort to the drinking or the smoking and over the years it became a coping skill until it progressed into that stage where i became dependent and um, for most of the time when i was in that addiction i was blind i couldn't actually see the negative effects but i still held on to drinking the alcohol using the drugs until it had that negative influence on my health um, it had an influence on uh, i would say my career and even relationship with family so for most people you find other people in addiction will be functioning in other areas of their lives but they still have this negative strain uh, it might be on the finances it might be on their relationships and i think those are um, the majority that we may call functional addicts so you find they'll be running business they'll be going for work but they still have that addiction and they always run away from the facts that, that uh, of that addiction so mainly i would say there are seven stages um, of addiction uh, the first stage perhaps they... before we go into the stages of addiction i just wanted to um you've mentioned quite a, a lot already a lot of interesting points uh, it, one is where you say that it's People get into addictions for certain reasons and they stay in addictions um, for other reasons. And I think this is very important for us to know because usually we tend to always attach someone's addiction to a particular event. And when we when we think we've solved that event, we expect someone to then stop using a, a certain substance or leaving by certain code of conduct. When actually it's not the case as you're saying because someone might have entered into a certain habit for a certain reason but but now they're in it for another reason so even having a solution to that is um requires even a a whole different approach earlier on today i put up um a question on my social media platforms where I was asking people what they think are the most common things that people are addicted to and I got varied answers like you said you've nicely classified them into chemical addictions and behavioral addictions but in layman's language I got a, a whole range of um which I'll share with you. Someone um, replied and told me they think the most common things people are addicted to are smoking, weed, alcohol, and coffee. Someone said pornography. Another said alcohol and social media. Others said alcohol, um, drugs, food, sex, internet, pornography, using computers or phones. Another said alcohol and pornography. And another said um, phones social media attention which i found very um interesting that actually certain people that feel they need to always be out there on social media because they want to get back um that feedback from people and someone mentioned gambling as well and drugs another mentioned drugs as well as um social um, media so this is what we just basically understand as certain things that people are addicted to and quite frankly i felt like these were what i would also consider one of some of the most common things um to to that people are addicted to so um yes you can go on with you said you want to talk about the stages of being of addiction you said yeah 
So the first stage of addiction is the initial use. So one who try out uh, the substance of their choice. Uh, mostly, uh, teens who try out these substances out of curiosity. And then the other reason is because um, the prefrontal cortex of the brain for most teenagers is not fully developed. So um, they make choices without considering the long-term consequences of those choices. So that's why they can easily jump onto drugs without knowing that that might result into an addiction. So from the initial use, the second stage is the experimentation. So experimentation. The prefrontal cortex is what you use to make sound decisions, is it? Yes, it's what's okay. used for sound decisions. So most things, it's not uh, completely developed because it's uh, completely developed um, at the age of, we'd say, 25. Okay. Yeah, so most um, teenagers below that age will jump onto these activities without considering the long-term effects. Yeah. So from the initial use, um, now the next stage is experimentation. So when one has tried out the substance of their choice, be it alcohol or any drug, they start now to experiment to see the impact that that uh, substance has on their life. Then, as they experiment, they attach this um, substance to activities such as relaxing or even socializing. Yeah. So as the experimentation goes on, they now move on to the third stage, which we can call regular use, because now um, the use now become normalized, and they frequent that use. So on the regular use, it's not yet turned into an addiction, but there's a pattern that one who conform with that addiction. Maybe every after working hours or on weekends, they have that pattern developed. Then from the regular use, now it goes on to um, the risky use. So the risky use is where now one um, other people we see the negative effects of how it's impacting one. But for them, they'll be blind to see the negative consequences because that's a characteristic of uh, addiction. You find so many people are in denial, even when other people can see that uh, this person has lost weight, this person um, um, has got uh, like poor self-care, they're not taking care of themselves. But for them, they feel they're in control. But um, for people around, they can notice even there are certain signs in um, that come about with behavior. You see, if it's at homes, this is where um, the habit of stealing will come in, where things will be going missing. Then most um, things will start uh, leaving drugs and these substances carelessly, where they can easily be accessible. So from that risky use, um, that's when it now progresses into dependency. So in the dependency stage, you find that the body now has gotten used to the substance, to the presence of the substance in the system. So they are not now using the substance uh, for social activities or for medical purposes, but it's the body now that's demanding that substance. So if they don't use that substance, this is where they enter into withdrawals. They start feeling some form of discomfort whereby that discomfort will push them to use drugs. So you find most people who are addicted to other drugs like heroin will be using drugs not because they want to get high, but it's because the body is withdrawing. They don't like the discomfort. So from the dependency stage, um, the sixth stage is addiction, of course. So most people uh, feel dependency and addiction are the same thing. Just similar words which are used interchangeably, and I think they are commonly used when it comes to substances. So, um, addiction is a stage when it's beyond one's choice. Now, it's not a matter of choice, it becomes now it's a compulsion whereby the mindset has now, um, has now come to that understanding that they need this substance for survival, they can't do anything without this substance. 
and they don't care about the negative effects or how it's impacting them in society but for them that substance is mainly the focus so from the addiction stage i think the last stage is the crisis stage uh, which people might consider as rock bottom for others the crisis stage is uh, this is why it reaches now it's now a matter of life and death you find that one just has to stop if you don't stop then it has already got that um, destructive impact on their health yeah so people will progress through these stages without actually being aware because obviously when anyone is trying out a substance or even alcohol i think um i gave an example of how i struggled with drugs and alcohol right I started in marijuana my intention was not to get addicted but the more i i was using that substance the more it started changing the structure of my brain the structure of my physique and my body got used to that uh, presence of that substance whereby if it's not in the system then you start experiencing um withdrawals and you start craving then you'd end up selling anything just to go and uh, have that substance so addiction is actually progressive and that's why there are a lot of people who call functional addicts whereby they will function in other businesses um in other walks of life but there is that negative toll of addiction which of course you wouldn't see it might be on their finances or it might be on their family yeah so what would be then the what's the importance of knowing the stage in which somebody is in is it for treatment purposes or is it just for you as a therapist or for me who's taking care of an addict to know what's the importance of these stages really um so the importance of the stages uh, is known because um, when one is coming for treatment, uh, because usually you find that most people who come uh, into rehab for treatment are usually brought in by family members because they are the ones who see the negative impact uh, that it has on that person. For them, they find, and it's very common that you find people in denial, they say no, me, I don't see it as a problem because I have it under control. I can be able to function in other areas of my life and I, I think I can stop anytime. But you find that that person hasn't stopped. They've still been struggling that for years. So when we, what the first thing we do is we do an assessment to try to find out the extent um, of that addiction uh, from when they started and how they've progressed or what has kept them using. And why they and you find there will be a variety of reasons because factors will change even in life, and uh, it also becomes a way of coping. Like I said, one will be coping with stress, with anxiety, with disappointments. Uh, that's why we say it's a complex, uh, it's a complex disease. So understanding the stages makes it easy to help out one person because whenever one is struggling with addiction or in one has gone into recovery. We say recovery is a lifetime journey because um, life stresses never end. Uh, the challenges never end out there. So now one has to prepare on how are they going to be coping. Because when it comes to recovery, we say it's more of creating a life that's easy not to use substances or a life that's easy not to indulge in um, these vices. And um, when you become aware of these stages, I think it's why you have to, because you start first trying to make the person understand what are their triggers, um, what really makes them to go into use these substances. So triggers will differ and triggers will change over the years. But uh, once one is able to identify their triggers, if it may be friends who trigger them into using these substances, then it's easy to come up with a plan and say, um, if there are certain a company of friends who, when you're with them, then you're always using drugs or you're always resorting to alcohol, then the best, best plan is obviously to avoid. But then again, interactions. yeah, but then again, you find that um, triggers may also be family members. So you find, uh, in terms of avoiding, one can't avoid the family members, right? Mm-hmm. So, 
when one is an addiction uh, because the we say the bad thing about addiction is one person will be addicted but the whole family will suffer for that one person mm-hmm. because no one would like to see their loved one uh, struggling with an addiction and obviously right. again uh, social consequences that come with it you find things will be missing at home um gadgets will be sold and um even when time comes to school they, they, people usually drop out of school they eat their school fees and just to fund that addiction so when one is healing um we try to take that holistic approach whereby you also involve the family because you might find that you might help out one person but again the problem is coming from the home maybe that's where the triggers are you might find they are coming from a dysfunctional family where um, problems are the order of the day and for mostly you find um, addiction can also be inherited because um, mostly you find their parents who are in addiction and when they have these children because uh, children from what they're observing from what they're observing from the people around and the people are bringing them up so if there is a presence of alcohol in the house or drugs in the house it's easy for that child to see that as normal so even when they grow up it's easy for them to jump onto drugs jump onto alcohol so now helping that child out then you also first need to also try to find out from the family how the family is set up if there is a, a history of addiction family then you also try to tackle that so that that person doesn't end up being triggered into the same vices awesome so well just whilst you're on that i wanted to take you back a little bit just for us to have a clear understanding when people mention the types of addictions that are common to them some of the things are normal things except they just become hazardous to someone and like you say the rest of the family and even society at large when they're overdone say for instance the use of social media right um oh you know um even most habits that are not in and, in and of themselves vile but when we overdo them and become a problem i want you to know when do i know that this is now an addiction is there a number to num- to 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 the number to the times that i do it that would make me know okay now i think i'm addicted if i am um you know um smoking four times a day or if i am using my phone for this or if i'm social i'm on social media this amount of time what where, where where is the limit when when does it stop move from normal or excessive use to actually being an addiction so mostly with these compulsions it's not easy to notice that it has now gone into an addiction like i said nobody starts a habit with an intention of being addicted yes for example there was a point when i started um, playing this sports betting on the phone yeah mm-hmm. and there was that excitement uh, you win a bit of money you want to play again thinking exactly you win a bigger stake right found that it's i had eaten up most of my time i find the morning when i'm waking up i'm checking the ticket on the phone when i go at lunch time i'm checking the ticket trying to make another ticket so you find that when it starts eating up most of your time and you start spending more of your money and again it's how you feel after that activity those are certain signs you find that there is that feeling of guilt that comes uh, even when somebody engages in these um behavioral compulsions you find that there is that feeling of guilt of saying and you feel uncomfortable um at the end of doing that act i think those are certain signs whereby that will it's not aligning with how you feel and uh, again you want to do that activity but again you think of that guiltiness that's coming after doing that and most even when it comes to the smoking you find that people gradually increase 
maybe if you were smoking two sticks they increase to maybe five sticks they increase to maybe a packet and you find that even when somebody is having a cough or a flu but they've still they are still smoking that cigarette i think those are certain signs that will give somebody that now this thing has become a problem yes when you keep doing it in spite knowing the harm that is doing to you yeah yes okay uh, yeah those are certain signs that you keep doing something but you are seeing the negative consequences it might be on your time it might be on your money it even might be on your relationship because you find that you stop even socializing you are mostly isolated and doing this habit on yourself so it drains you and you find that most of um, the hobbies that you used to do will be replaced by this habit because um, it now becomes your source of oxygen or your source of dopamine or source of euphoria so i think that's when um, it's really taken to understanding into an addiction those are pretty interesting points you've just mentioned there when it becomes the source of excitement essentially and you stop getting excitement from things that you usually used to get excited from you no longer socialize and also the fact that you keep doing it even when you know the negative impact it has on your finances as you said your relationships and your health at large you keep doing it then at least you know this might be an um an addiction so i know for sure that it's not everybody that is addicted or maybe we are addicted to different things but i wanted to know also um what makes certain people and i think you touched part of this question though certain people more susceptible more vulnerable to being addicted and others less vulnerable and less susceptible to being addicted so um i think i mentioned about the stages of addiction right yes exactly anyone who starts any type of habit um be it a healthy habit even exercise you know there is um, being ex- uh, addicted to exercise wow i yeah. did not know that <laughs> yeah so the more you do that uh, that habit the more it's reinforced within you and the more it becomes your source of dopamine right exactly so you find the stages are the ones that determine you find one might just be in the initial use or the other one might be in the experimentation the other one might have risked the regular use and the other one might have now risked the risky use but mostly that's why there is even this element i mentioned something about functional addicts right mm-hmm. you find these are people who, who function in society and um, you won't even see that negative strain on them but unless you just sit down with them and you hear them complain about their finances complain about their relationships that's when you see that it has um a negative tone on them but from the outlook you would think somebody is doing well with that addiction but when you get down and try to try to look at their life holistically you find that it has a negative strain somewhere because there's actually no positive addiction even being workaholic being addicted to work has got a strain on relationships Because, yeah because you find that the more time that you spend in that way when you are neglecting that type of family and this family that will suffer uh, at that expense so there is actually no positive addiction because every addiction has got um, something negative effect yes so well um moving on from that i wanted to um find out after i have we've discussed what these addictions are and what essentially every one of us is susceptible to suffering from an addiction except just different types according to our lifestyles basically levels of curiosity and all that stuff but i wanted to know once i figure out 
in my life that social media um pornography or sex or a certain drug that I'm addicted to one of these things what are the things that I can do to help myself maybe before we even answer that question can we answer what things can I do to avoid being addicted are there certain things that are or practices that I can engage in that can help me avoid being addicted um but i think generally if we can say being addicted that's quite too general yes thing, right somebody can be addicted to coca-cola somebody can also be addicted to coffee mm-hmm. yeah then a person can also be addicted to alcohol so mostly when it comes to these addictions and even i think most cases that we handle are these addictions that have got a negative strain on somebody's health you find mostly it's alcohol mostly it's drugs and um, in recent times we've had people who've been struggling with pornography but mostly there is that um i would call it is it self-stigma because people fail to come out and say mm-hmm. we're going to look at me if i say i'm addicted to this exactly yeah um, but i think um, our job even as um, counselors or therapists is to try and help out anyone who's struggling with uh, in any area of their life and i think it all comes to how we manage um, our life and stress at the end of the day because we have to strike a balance and try to see that um, in all areas you're, you're striking a balance be it at work be it with family and be it in your social aspect and be it on your finances um, but it's actually not easy to tell that one is going into an addiction because like i said even when i started drinking alcohol i had no intentions of becoming addicted but something that we just started enjoying because my friends were drinking uh, i wanted to fit in with the group right. and it went on to experimentation where now it becomes a habit where every weekend you meet, uh, you drink, you create memories, and now you're looking forward to that activity every time. Then now you develop a pattern. But the more you develop that pattern, then the more again you're developing a tolerance. And then you don't notice that you've actually now gone even into, from the regular use into the dependence. Because when you wake up in the morning, your body will join you with the hangover, and you feel, ah, maybe if I can just drink one or two, then this hangover will go. But that addiction is taking its toll. So it's, uh, yeah, it's not actually easy to uh, to, to tell that you're getting into one. But it's just keeping a check of healthy habits. Yeah. I think that's one. Yeah, one way we can prevent ourselves from being addicted is um, taking an inventory of our habits and looking at which are the healthy ones uh, can we keep and which are ones that are doing more harm either to our health or being a drain to our finances or causing a strain on our relationships okay so when 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 do i know that now i need to stand up and just go to um see a therapist because what wh- wh- at what point is it you know does someone actually just have to go to see uh, a therapist for an addiction problem okay so I, I think um it's just the moment you notice that it's become the most active part of your life the moment you notice that it's taking up, up a big chunk of your time and the moment you notice that you're giving up other hobbies just for this activity the moment you just notice that you're slowly losing interest in other things and you're just entertaining this habit and the moment you also notice that you become defensive about this habit despite other people trying to mention it that hey you're doing this too much and you feel attacked every time people speak about that. Then those are signs 
that uh, during this thing, I, I need to think twice. I need to get help before getting out of hand. Yes. Interesting. Um. So, because I really feel like that's very important for us to to clarify that as soon as it, you feel like it's gotten out of hand on your part, then you need to seek external help because uh, you know the, the defensive part it, it comes in play a lot of times because sometimes we don't want to see it's very easy to point to someone and say they're addicted to that but it's very hard to say i am addicted to such and such a thing i think just as human beings innately we have a common tendency to see outside of ourselves and very seldomly are we able to see what is going on within and and, and inside us it's just as soon as we realize it's gone out of hand on our part as you clearly just stated so i wanted to know the time factor because the funny thing about it when you're addicted to something is sometimes that people tend to feel that because they've been this habit for 10 years they could never get out of it you know what's the role of time in how long i've done something or how long i've been in a certain habit or i've used it and drug what role does it play in my healing process can i heal all the same even after i've um, drank alcohol for 10 years compared to someone who's drunk alcohol is what's the difference there what's so um the time factor um i think is not much um one thing that we consider when it comes to dealing with addiction but of course because um when somebody has been doing this habit over time you can imagine somebody has been doing a certain habit like alcohol uh, for 20 years you find that um everything in the environment has been customized to that and you find that three quarters of the people they know are those people that they drink with mm-hmm. and it's it's taken up a huge part of their life but um, when it comes to recovery i think recovery starts when one um, accepts that they have a problem when one um, looks at themselves and say i think i have a problem with this and i need help i think that's when healing begins because i've seen people who've been in denial uh, for years and i think that's very common because there's that defensive mechanism you would ask somebody like ah, you see this thing as a problem then you'll be like you know me i don't see it as a problem it's only my family members who see this addiction as a problem so healing in all starts when one uh, admits that they have a problem i gave you an example i struggled with alcohol and there were times when i would um, getting bad books with the law, something bad would happen or I would be attacked because I was drunk. And every time something bad would happen, which would have a negative impact on my health or my life, I would think, I think I need to stop. But again, not knowing how to cope, I would find my way back to the same company of friends and the same circle would begin on again. And again, when something bad happens, again, I come to reason, but this thing, it's... Yeah, it's been going on for years. I think I just need to do away with it. But after some time, you end up, uh, maybe you are feeling low, or you are bored, or you have um, a certain low emotion, you end up going back to the same vices. And the circle keeps on. So others, you find those are people who eventually hit rock bottom. But when one hits rock bottom, because that's when they hit the, we call it the risky, the crisis stage. So the crisis stage is not a good place to reach because other people don't survive from there. Exactly. Yeah, you find that the withdrawals um, can can actually, they, just the withdrawals are able to heal somebody. And They're too severe for some people. Some people to survive. So it's not a place because for others, they learn the hard way until they reach rock bottom. If it's for these other drugs, somebody will even have uh, an overdose. But you find that after they, they get well, they go back to the same drugs. 
uh, without thinking of how life threatened it was. So I think um, it all comes to the point when one realizes that I think I've tried by myself and um, it's not working. I need some external help. But this is irregardless of the time factor. So whatever time, it doesn't quite matter really. You can still heal all the same. Yes, you can still heal all the same. Yeah. Go on. The time factor doesn't... uh, Matter, no matter how long one has been in addiction, uh, they can still make a turn around. They say no matter how how far you can go in the wrong direction, you can still turn around. Yeah. And make awesome. Yeah. I think that's very important for us to remember. Because sometimes along this journey of addiction, people do lose hope. And once hope is lost, uh, purpose is lost and just the real energy to push through and persevere is also gone and someone is essentially done for. Perhaps before I go, I really want to talk about your personal experience. Before I can get into your personal experience, one last question for the sake of us who's who are listening right now. Um, from your experience, do people really heal from addictions completely? So, um, like I said earlier on, recovery is a lifetime journey. Right. Life is um, it's never a smooth road. Yeah, life has a way of frustrating people. Life has a way of disappointing people. Life has a way of throwing tantrums. So, it's creating a life that's easy not to fall back. And obviously, a life that's easy not to go back to drugs or to go back to alcohol is a life away from your triggers. And it's a life where one knows how to handle their stress. It's a life where one knows how to handle these negative, uncomfortable emotions, such that those uh, uncomfortable emotions don't push them to going back to those vices. Because that root is always there. When one has been that way, that option is always there to go back that end. But it's one being aware that if I went back there, where am I going to reach at the end of the day? So it's a lifetime journey and people heal. Yeah, I think I'm a living testimony of a person who's um, managing and coping away from this addiction. Great. Now, just you just mentioned um i'm learning so much let me just say this today from this conversation really um and i hope somebody else is as well so from you just mentioned something about it's recovery is a lifetime journey one and also that it's really about creating a life that's easy not to go back to your vices and i think that should be something that needs to sink in us that is really just about creating that life that makes it difficult for you to go back where you used to be because like you said very articulately that the road back will always be there so it's about setting yourself up really in an environment where um, it's harder for me to go back to the old ways of life. So, talking about your personal experience today, you said you were, you were about 16 years when you decided you wanted to try out alcohol and, uh, uh, you know, you wanted to try to take alcohol. Give us a little bit more of context to the environment. What's really happening around that time? What grade are you in? Um, and what really, you know, pushed you to try out alcohol? Okay. I think by that time I was in grade 10. Okay. Yeah. And um, I fell into a company of friends who had already been exposed to drinking okay. alcohol. Yeah, so whenever I'm with them and they're drinking alcohol, I feel out of place. Like I'm, I'm, I'm the one who's uh, not taking part in the fun. 
So I eventually started with, I would sip, again, I would sip. Then as the days went on, I, I started also trying to look for money. So that I also buy and uh, join the group. Then as this went on, it became a pattern where we used to frequent this every time at school, we would dodge from school, um, remove our neckties, then we'd go to a certain bar, then we'd buy. By then there was this that was called Chibukupau, then we'd stay there. Then we'd come back, then following day to the same routine. Then the more we were doing that, we started developing that tolerance. But before we before we get there, I wanted to find out like around what was the situation at home? Did you have parents that took alcohol? Did you have cousins or where did you did did you see this habit somewhere in your life before actually uh, meeting that group of friends that got you into the habit? Okay. So um this habit in the neighborhood that we shifted to. Um you know these we call them compounds, these more denser areas. Where right. Fact, yeah, birds everywhere. And it's just that habit is the order of the day. And I remember I, I grew up in such an environment at that time. When, yeah, when I was in grade 10, grade 11, grade 12, it was in such a setup where that was the order of the day. There were shabins all over. And um, it was acceptable in that area, basically. Yeah, it, to drink. it was yeah, it was acceptable in that area. Yeah. So, but at home, you'd come back and hide, like um, you haven't drunk anything. But as the drinking went on, it started showing because there'll be days when the drinking was heavy and you end up vomiting. Then people at home will be like, ah. So you started drinking, what and what, but the more they try to criticize you, tell you about that, you find that it's like they are pushing you. To go back and do it. Yeah, like I said uh, about um, the brain is not yet completely developed for one to make that decision to say this might have um, a long-term negative consequence on my school, on my career or anything. So we pushed into, we slowly went back and entertained that habit. Until going into grade 12, the habit was still there. Where now, even the drugs, the marijuana was there. In the morning, you go, you smoke in class, you didn't focus on anything. And it's the company, again, the company at school, the same, because I think by then when we were growing up, we had very wrong role models. We used to look up to the likes of Tupac, Snoop, and we thought that smoking was uh, was the thing. But not knowing that we're just um, we're just going in the in a, the wrong direction and wasting our lives. Yeah. Is was there t- how how much time did you just move from alcohol to then starting both alcohol and? smoking or was it a progressive picture what was going on were you looking so, for more excitement rather yeah so i started with marijuana yeah because um one of my close friends he was actually older than me was um, okay. already exposed to marijuana so most of the times we would go together for a walk then he would smoke when i'm just standing by so that became a frequent activity but the more he used to do that my mind was also clicking that I would eventually like to try this out, even though I was scared at some point. But then I got another friend of mine who was my same age mate. And this time around, I remember we had a maid who used to send us to go and buy marijuana for her. So this time around, when we went to buy, we we bought some extra. By for yourselves. <laughs> yeah. And then we experimented and we loved the experience uh, the sensation yeah yeah now something more like um, we started regularly doing that activity and then the more we started regularly we started associating with people who are already using that active using those substances as well right after the marijuana took hold i think by when i was in grade 11 going into grade 12 then the alcohol kicked in 
then alcohol became now the major part whereby I got excited more of the drinking yeah than the, than the drugs as well but it was something that it was one habit that as much as we are drinking even the smoking of the marijuana was there and I, it had that negative strain you know, on my school results yeah on my um, even social aspect and even relationships at home yeah and um, as even went into adult life I think that was a part that uh, I remember when I went into university um, I fell into that company of friends who because you meet different characters when you go into higher institutions right yeah not everyone is there to focus on school and these vices are all over yeah and you somehow find a way to attract the same type of people yeah you find yeah you find that we attract the same type of people so it's uh, it was progressive until even after going through university going now into employment i remember by that time i was at the mines it was something that um, you're going to the mines you've already got these substances when you get back it's a way of um, coping stress from work and um, despite even seeing the negative impacts until now it got to that point where it became the most important thing because the alcohol is the most important thing in my life i would find that uh, i would get back from work doing so much going back to work would be the hangover until it reached the point where um, i got fired at one point for because of the, the of, of use yeah because of the same alcohol use then again when someone started another job again the same habit came up again got fired again wow but, <laughs> yeah so this time around i sat but i think this thing even though i've um, held it for so long it's got this negative impact every time a bad thing would happen i would feel guilty about right. it Be like ah, how even people see me that because i've been bad for this role but little did i understand that i was addicted and i think that's what people go through whereby you are unaware that this thing is an addiction despite the negative consequences i wasn't aware i'll simply say ah, since this bad thing has happened i think i'll stop or try and stop but the following day when an opportunity presents itself to drink would we'll be back to drinking until gradually there is a point when it had that negative tone if i remember i was um at this would call them trenches i was at this trench then i bought uh, some whiskey and i wasn't feeling well i think okay. that yeah i wasn't feeling well but i went ahead and bought whiskey I drank that whiskey and something clicked in my mind i said i'm not feeling well instead of buying medicine i've bought alcohol wow if i continue on this path then i don't think i'm going to be alive um in the, in the next few weeks or something much I, longer yeah by that time family had noticed that uh, this thing has actually had um, a negative impact on his life and he's tried but he fails so and um, i remember my brother was the one who suggested that uh, maybe brought it uh, some professional help at first i had that denial i felt like it's an insult my own brother telling me this yeah but when i sat down and reflected i saw that no i think it's serious i definitely need uh, professional help and that's so for I, you it wasn't an an accident or any any such thing it was just that particular moment what in that moment made you think that way though um because i went through that phase where uh, life just became worthless you can imagine where you start thinking of i think maybe even just committing suicide would be a solution because there's nothing else i'm doing here on earth and you'd blame i think that's a characteristic of addiction you shift you blame it on fans blame it on other people you blame it on the government you blame it on the environment to why you're struggling but the moment i realized that you know, i think i've got a role to play in all this yes it's about the decision and i think let me try around 
And I mean, I went into an environment where um, everybody was focused on their recovery, and it was about getting better. The road became easier, and that's how I started learning how to cope. I mean, it's these addictions, and um, it became very easy because I saw that ah, I was just um, I was I, I was addicted, but I was in denial that I got this addiction. Yeah. So, uh, if, if, even as we close um, the, this this uh, interview, I wanted to ask: What do you know now that you wish you knew? then that you think would have made life better what do you know now that you wish you knew? i know you've studied um uh, psychosocial um, counseling as a whole and you have this understanding now but from experience point of view what do you know now that you wish you knew then that would have helped you of course the first thing i wish i would have known is i wish i'd have known that addiction is a disease because why is that important? Why, why, why? Many people will think addiction is because of willpower or poor choices or character right. flaws, but it's more complicated than that. So the moment you understand that I've got this disease, I'm uh, sick. Yeah, I'm not like any other person. For me, I have to carefully um, plan my way out with things. It becomes this interesting, interesting. Because, oh. yeah, because if I knew that uh, my friends were triggers, if I knew that this thing is progression, is progressive, I wouldn't have engaged into that vice. Or I would have stopped and said, I don't want to end up uh, going into this. Yeah. You'd be more careful as yeah. well. Yeah. So when when it comes to when you're living with someone who's addicted today, there are some people as we speak that have their their children addicted to something or their their, their spouses addicted to alcohol, whatever vice. What would you what would be your words of advice to someone who's helping somebody through addiction? Um, my advice is just to be patient with them because mostly there is always this stigma that's attached to addiction right but get themselves somebody who's using drugs or somebody who's uh, constantly drinking alcohol because others will think it's just their poor choices or it's them not making better decisions but it goes beyond that when you understand that this person is happening and um, you just um, try to Give them the necessary help. Yeah, uh, check into the rehab facility. Um, here at Great North Road, we offer those uh, services. Yeah, helping out with people with different addictions, even behavioral addictions and behavioral compulsions. I know most of these people fail to come out and uh, say I'm struggling with this, maybe uh, addiction to porn, addiction to masturbation, addiction to sex. But speak to someone. Yeah, when you speak to someone, and um, they will show you how to cope. Because people just don't know how to cope with and how to handle life stressors. That's why we even found the increase of these suicide cases. is because people who feel um, the problem is just for them to handle alone and to begin to right. worry. Worry doesn't solve anything. They say a problem shared is a problem half solved. Right, right. Uh, yeah, so I think with the ongoing mental health sensitization, we would like people to open up more. I know we've all got issues, but let's not um, keep those issues to ourselves. But let's try to find somebody who we can speak to and try to get um, their um, perspective of our situation. Uh, the burden gets lighted when you hear from someone. Yeah. 
Awesome. Mr. Roosevelt, I could not begin to say how grateful I am that you've given us an hour on the dot of your time to actually discuss this very, very important um, topic. I hope to have you here again to discuss even more topics and bring about more sensitization on other um, moments, obviously according to availability. But thank you, thank you so much for your time and your um, your patience in sharing and explaining these uh, concepts to us. It's been my pleasure. Uh, yeah, uh, discussion with you. Thank you, thank you. Uh, a pleasure is definitely um, mine. So, to everybody that's been listening, thank you very much for um, checking and tuning in to this um, podcast and listening. I hope you've learned one or two things. And remember to share these links to as many people as possible to spread this knowledge on um, addiction as well as all other mental health topics that we do discuss on this platform. So until next time, it's um, bye-bye and God bless.